a gospel reading from the Gospel of John this morning, which is the uh, story of the triumphal entry. John 12, starting with verse 12. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the feast heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. And so they took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat upon it, as it is written, Do not be afraid, O daughter of Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that they had done these things to him. This is God's word. I really do love Palm Sunday. There's a a holy chaos that enters the sanctuary with kids tromping around and palm trees, palm branches. We had our own little holy chaos with technology this morning. Just so that you know, it was not the guys, the, the pe- good people up there. They are, you got to thank those good servants up there. They're hidden. We never see them. They are awesome. It was a breaker that went off. We have to talk to our electrical cons- uh, people, contractor, who did our renovations. Tom? <laughs> talk to them. It was a breaker that went off. Who knows? Well, Palm Sunday, I love Palm Sunday for the the little riot that happens in church, but also because of what it proclaims. Palm Sunday, on Palm Sunday, we proclaim Jesus Christ is King. On that day, Palm Sunday, we heard the story, Jesus of Nazareth rode into town, hope rode into town, and received all the acclamations, the respect, the honor of the people. Jesus is Lord. This is one of the most foundational confessions as a Christian. It was central to the early church, and it needs to become central to us today. If Jesus is Lord, Herod was not it. Caesar was not it, nor any other political, cultural ruler since. If Jesus is Lord, there is no other authority, no, that is absolute. Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God that he announced is the Christian's first loyalty above all others. And and so an important question for us today on Palm Sunday is, well, what does that mean for us? How do you respond to Jesus as king, as Lord, as sovereign? And this this is so important for our lives. We are living in some very polarized times. Uh, We are living in a time where it feels like there is a moral, a crisis of moral and political leadership just at all sorts of levels. Um, It's not political. It is in cultural leadership. It is in religious leadership. And it is time for followers of Jesus before anything else to, to, to... to claim Jesus Christ as Lord before anything else, before nationality or political persuasion, before race or ethnicity or gender or geography, that our identity is in Jesus Christ, that that precedes every other identity we might assume or take on. How do we do that? How do we respond to Jesus as King? And this, I got to tell you, is important for all of us, even if you are here today and you're not a Christian, even if you would say... 
no, I, I, Jesus doesn't rule my life. In fact, no one does. I'm the ruler of my life. And I guess I would say, I, wanna, I would encourage you to check a little deeper. Because the truth is, we are made to give our lives, to submit ourselves to a king, to an authority. And somewhere, if we dig deep enough, everyone does that. Everyone gives their life, submits their life to some authority. We give our trust, our allegiance to someone or something. It's a fascinating thing how you see that play out in life. The, the, the history of humans' best literature, there's, there's, a, there's a thread, a narrative thread that goes through it all. It's a powerful narrative thread that goes something like this. Once... There was a great king, and he ruled all things, and he ruled with wisdom and power and compassion and justice, and when the king was there, the people flourished. But something has happened, and the king is no longer reigning, and now life has unraveled and fallen into decay. But we long for, we look for a day when the king will return. Do you know how many of our legends, of our myths, of our stories, of our literature, are just follow that narrative arc. Think of the legend of King Arthur. Great King Arthur and Camelot, this perfect place where all is just and right, this idyllic kingdom. But now he's gone. And we long for Camelot. We long for the Arthur to come back. Think of the Lord of the Rings. All three series, all three stories of the Lord of the Rings. Behind them all is this, this thread of a story that there is a true king, but he's hidden. He's in the north. And when he returns, justice will reign. Life will blossom and flourish again. Or more recently, think of Black Panther. If you've seen the movie, think of Black Panther. How the king, T'Challa, has arrived. He's challenged, opposed, but finally, under his reign, a life of compassion and justice flows not just for one country, but for all. In fact, think of all those superhero movies. All of those are really king myths. We long for someone with power to come and, and set things right. Why? Why is there this deep longing for this ruler, for this king, when the actual record of human kings and governors and leaders is, well, pretty spotty. Often a record of tyranny and tragedy and slavery. Why? Why do we still long for the true king to rule us? And in the absence of these, why do we set up others? We set up celebrities as the new royalty. They, we crown these celebrities and they hold court and we adore them. Why? Why do we continue to look to political candidates as some white knight that is finally going to set things right? And we know that's naive because we know we've been disappointed again and again. Why? Because there is embedded in all of us this deep memory of a great king who did rule with wisdom and power and compassion, the king who shone like the sun and we all basked in the radiance of that glory. We know that somewhere deep we are built to give our lives to that king, to adore and serve that king. That's what the Bible tells us. 
that there is a king behind and beneath all those legends and longings of our culture, all those kings and leaders that we hope for and long for. They are just a dim reflection of the true king. And we've been looking at that, who that true king is. We've been looking at these prophetic songs from Isaiah called the servant songs, which begin to map out some of the contours and qualities of who that true king is, this servant king. Isaiah calls him the servant of God, and he's an unexpected and really an unlikely candidate for a king. He's not the savior we think we want, but he's the savior we need. All those prophetic songs the New Testament say are pointing to Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who is the fulfillment of them all. And in Jesus, we have the true king, the king who is behind and above and behind all other rulers and authorities. And in this event, this Palm Sunday event, we see Jesus assuming that role, that title. Now, Jesus rode into Jerusalem during this uh, religious celebration called Passover, and it was, it was a pretty politically tense scenario. Um, it was an important event so that all the rulers came to Jerusalem. The city is filled with pilgrims, and, and remember, this is Roman oppression, and so all those pilgrims they are longing for some other ruler to come and kick those Romans out. And, and so some of those pilgrims have political aspirations or political ideas and, and they're full of patriotism and hopes for liberation. And so Jerusalem's really like a, a tinderbox. And, and, and so the, the, the governor um, of the Roman Empire situated his entire headquarters from Caesarea, moved it, to Jerusalem during this time, put supplementary military units along the way, so there's Roman soldiers on every corner, and in that mix, it was often the custom of the rulers to make a fairly grand entrance, sort of like a, a, a motorcade that you might see of a prime minister or a president. So King Herod comes with his big entourage of wealth and privilege, and then Pilate comes, the Roman governor, with all his Roman power and military might. And those ancient parades were meant to communicate something. They were meant to say, I have wealth, I have power, you don't, you serve me. And then comes Jesus riding into Jerusalem, and Jesus is making a statement as well. Remember, the Hebrew people have been looking for this messianic king who who has been predicted for centuries, and the son of David, the ultimate king, the final king of the world, and now someone, as Jesus rides in, cries out, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king. And Jesus doesn't turn it away. Instead, he receives that acclamation. He comes being declared as king, and he's confronting all comers, all authorities that day. And he challenges us with that same claim. I am the absolute king of the cosmos. Which demands a response, doesn't it? What he's saying is, you can despise me. You can, you can toss me aside as someone crazy. Or you can enter my kingdom and find your greatest freedom and serve me. But there's nothing in the middle. One pastor Tim Keller put it this way, Jesus confronts all of us saying, crown me or kill me, but don't insult me with something in the middle. 
And he comes to our hearts that way too. If many of us come to Jesus and, and you know, say, I, I really need some help. I would like some information. And if you come to him, you know, maybe we want Jesus to, to be my life coach as well. And what Jesus says is, I, I can do those things. I can be your shepherd. I can be your friend. I can be your guide. I can be your brother. But I can't be those unless I'm first your king. Either I will be king in your life or I will be nothing in your life. Crown me or be done with me. Now I know that many of us here think, that's a little extreme, isn't it, Phil? Maybe some of us would, would like to admire Jesus, right? Yeah, he's, he's a good prophet, a good teacher, wise. Maybe some of us would like to pray to him sometimes, but we don't like this idea of him being holy, central, absolute. There's some of you here who, yeah, maybe you don't like what I just said about that. Get mad at Jesus, okay, because he said it, not me. Jesus doesn't let us off the hook. And he, for Christians here today too, he doesn't let us off the hook. Because it confronts all of us. We need to ask ourselves, are our lives oriented, centered around Jesus Christ? Or have we accommodated our thinking, our living to other kings, other authorities? Those are important challenges Jesus confronts us with. But as you process that challenge laid down by Jesus this Palm Sunday to receive him as king or be done with him, it's so important for us to take note of the type of king he is. Because Jesus, while he makes an outrageous claim to be king, that's a, that's a pretty outrageous claim, right? He is yet so different than all those who pose to be king. He is so gentle. He's so humble. A crowd gathers that Palm Sunday, and Jesus intentionally goes to find a young donkey, a baby colt. Instead of getting a war horse like all the other rulers to ride in on, a victorious, like a victorious general or something, he takes a donkey, which, which is not a war animal, right? You, you trot into a battle on a donkey, you're pretty much done. You're slaughtered. He comes so humble, so vulnerable, defenseless. Jesus is showing the type of king, the type of authority and ruler he is. Showing us the savior that we might not expect, but the savior we need. He's unbelievably humbled despite his claims. He chooses this baby donkey to show us that he's coming to rule, he's coming to save, but not by taking power, but by losing power, by giving it away. He's not going to come and, and be king by a show of force, rippling his flexing muscles and going to bash them heads together, but instead he's going to give up his life and die. He's going to triumph through weakness. Think of all those servant songs from Isaiah that we've been exploring. I mean, these, these paradoxical prophecies that the Messiah, that the Savior will be a servant, that he will be a king committed to bring justice, that he will not inflict pain, but he will bear our pains. He will take our wounds so that we might be healed. Jesus is king, but not a king like we might think or expect. He is a Savior, but not the Savior you think you wanted, but the Savior you need. 
He is the gentle king, the dying king, the servant king, the king who is higher than the heavens and yet comes so low, the king riding on a donkey. And when this king comes into the world, we need to respond. Those crowds responded initially with praise and then quickly turned. Isaiah 55, the passage we read this morning, comes after the flow of all these servant song prophecies and it comes as a response. And it says, you will go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills will burst forth before you. All the trees of the field will clap their hands. As Jesus comes, the king comes to claim his throne, the the waving palm branches are sort of an echo, a little sign, a little portent of, of all the trees of all creation just breaking out in song and rejoicing. The king has finally come. What we're told is that when Jesus comes back fully, completely, the whole world is going to burst into such joy. It is going to blossom because of all the goodness of his reign. Mountains and hills will sing. I don't know what that is going to mean or like, but I can't wait to hear it. The palm trees, the trees are going to wave and clap. Our palm trees are a little sign of that. And if creation is doing that, imagine what we are going to be like. Imagine what we will be doing in response. This is the story of the king that you and I can be a part of. This can be your story as well, friends. God made you to love him, to know him, to serve him. He came to this world and died for us so that he might reclaim us, so that we might come back into the... He absorbed all darkness and sin so that one day we might enter into his dazzling brilliant light and Isaiah 55 is a call to respond to this king seek the Lord while he yet may be found call on him while he is near let the wicked forsake their ways let the unrighteous and the unrighteous their thoughts let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them and to our God and he will freely pardon how will you respond to the king? For those of us who are Christians, this, this is a call for us to go deeper in our relationship with God, deeper into our discipleship with Jesus Christ. How committed are we to the absolute supremacy of Christ in our life? Open your heart to that call of Jesus to be Lord of all things. Your relationships, your money, your career, your vocation, your sexuality, your politics. Go deeper into relationships with one another, especially across racial, ethnic, national lines. Deeper into relationships with the most vulnerable who are at the greatest risk. And if you're here today and you're skeptical, perhaps you're not a Christian, not a follower of Jesus, can I encourage you to examine your life? What have you given your life over to? What have you submitted? What authority have you submitted your life to? Is it your intellect? Someday that's going to fail you. Is it it a political movement or a leader? History shows they will fail and fall. I guess the question I would ask you, is that someone or something you have given your life to, your heart's allegiance to, is it worthy of your life? Look to the king 
who has given your life for you, who will not fail you. You are made to give your life to that king. And in that submission, find your life flourishing and coming. you become fully human. One last thought. When Jesus died, you know that scribbled atop his head was a sign. King of the Jews. He was crucified because his reign was a threat. It was a challenge to every human power, every human kingdom, every human government and authority. And in killing Jesus, the authorities thought they were done with him. But they didn't realize that in nailing him to the cross, they were putting up on that cross all of the sinful nature of humanity. Jesus Christ nailed to the cross was more than just a political radical. He was God's answer to the human dilemma. And on that cross, Christ was bearing my sin and your sin in his own body. And he was proclaiming liberation on that cross. He shed his blood to cleanse you and me from all of our sin to set us free. And God raised him to new life and through that new life set in motion a whole new order. The Bible calls Jesus, the risen Jesus, the second man, the new man, the leader of a new creation, of a new order. A new order built now not on human authority or power, but on God's resurrection power. And that is the power to change all the, this world's order. So many people today want to see the world change, and I love that. I'm so grateful for people who can get involved in politics and, 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 and are serving in different fact, uh, aspects, who, who go out for protests. You see so many people um, standing up and protesting and saying, something has to change. But for all, and, and I, I don't think I'm being skeptical in this, <laughs> Or cynical, but for all of our activism and radicalism, we need to realize that the systems of men are doomed to destruction. All movements and governments of humanity, all kings and rulers of the world will fall and fail, and finally only God's kingdom and his righteousness will prevail. Which means we are never going to be fully radical enough until we become part of that new order of God's kingdom and follow the true King Jesus. And when you do, and when you go out into this world, you go out into the world that's enslaved, the world filled with hunger and poverty and racism and injustice, all those things which are the work of the devil, you can now proclaim real liberation to the captives. You can preach sight to the blind. You can set liberty for all those that are bruised and broken. You go, go into a world and tell all that are bound mentally, spiritually, and physically, your king has come. Your liberation is here. This week, starting with Palm Sunday, Holy Week, Christians find this a holy, special week in which Jesus suffers and dies, God giving his own heart to the world, to you, to me, to every one of us. Whatever else you do this week, which as you go through might seem like every other week, find a way to pause and ponder and stand beneath the cross of Jesus and look to the servant king who dies for you so you might have life. Seek the servant king while he may be found. Let's pray.
Father, we pray that you would give us eyes to see and hearts that are soft and ready to to give ourselves to Jesus in a fresh way. Help us to see this gentle King. Help us to see how he saved us through weakness, how he saved us through brokenness and being poured out. And as we see that we're accepted through what he did, that help us to see that this beautiful paradoxical royalty of Jesus, that boldness and humility, the majesty and meekness, the infinite highness, and yet this access we have to him. And help us to see that all of that will get recreated in us as you change us to be people of the cross and the resurrection. We ask God that you would help us to become those people loyal servants of the humble servant king. In his name we pray. Amen.